Good evening, friends. As always, it's so good to be here. The uh, Lord is uh, doing great things. He's always done great things, and he just continues. And I believe, if the word is correct, he will be doing great things tomorrow, Lord willing. So I'm thankful for uh, you guys coming out. Uh, so hopefully uh, we can let go of the cares of the day and just focus on what he has for us here and now. So again, uh, Lord, we just uh, give thanks uh, continuously for a, a great God, a loving God, a God who loves us in spite of ourselves. So we just pray, Father, that uh, we would just focus on what you have here for us individually and collectively. And uh, we, we continue to pray for the church body. We continue to pray for the body of Christ, Father. There's such a need. Uh, the fields are indeed white and the workers are indeed few. But we know that you have a plan through each and everything that you do. We are the ones that determine whether it's good or bad. But you're always working. So we thank you for that. We thank you for what you've done in our lives and the lives of those that we love. And we just pray for your continuous blessings, Father. There's so many among us who are hurting in so many ways. But we know your love is ever present. So we give you praise and honor for just the opportunity to be here, to share the fellowship. And we pray that you will be edified in all that we do and all that we say throughout this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen. Um, tonight, we're going to um, go to Ezekiel chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Ezekiel chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. I will be going back to uh, some previous ones. I, I have uh, more papers with me than I normally would because I want to reference some things because as I was going through this uh, last week, actually, and uh, seeing that as I read, as I continue to go through Ezekiel, noticing that nothing has changed. You know, they're still being uh, rebellious. They're still being stiff-necked. They're still being uh, just idolaters. And the Lord has been warning uh, for some time now. And uh, last week, in a prior couple weeks, two, three weeks, we've had the pleasure of uh, a messenger who has uh, instructed us through complaining and I'm sure that a lot of hearts, I won't say they were convicted, I know what mine was, but to that audience, I like to think there were others in there who felt convicted because some of us are just chronic, chronic complainers. We come by, we see what's going on around us, we drop our complaint, and we keep stepping. And there's an opportunity to step in and help out, but that will require an effort. Complaining doesn't really require much of an effort. So we just drop the uh, complaint bomb and just keep on walking. And it, it's really, I'm not going to go there, but it's just that it, it, did, it influenced the message that, that I have tonight that the Lord has given me in Ezekiel 6. But it's important that, as I said, we will be going back looking at some other passages. from. They're all in Ezekiel, but there are other chapters. And, and I just want to make the point that 
He says, uh, this, is, this is how I title this message tonight. Just a friendly reminder, I am the Lord. And I don't know if people actually forget, but sometimes we just take so much for granted. We take our health, we take our finances, we take our emotions, we take our uh, friends, family for granted so many times. And as we study the word more and more, we realize the heart of God. And one word that, that we use in probably every industry, every uh, career, every occupation is assume nothing. And in a lot of instances, that's really a bad word to assume anything. Now, I can be challenged on that, but say, well, the Lord says that this is going to happen. That's not an assumption. That's stake in the ground. So he's not thinking, well, this might happen. No. His, his, his promises, his word, everything is yay and amen. And again, it's always going to be that way. Uh, Ezekiel 6, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountain of Israel and prophesy against them. Verse 3. And say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, to the hills, to the ravines, and to the valleys. Indeed, I, even I, will bring a sword against you, and I will destroy your high places. I have said in the past that regardless of what your idol is, these are, these, these are, these are idol worshippers. Even at this point, they've been warned over and over and over again. And one of the things that some of us tend to rely on is signs and wonders. But these people, and these people are us, are not paying attention to these signs and wonders. He's given them many signs, which we'll, we'll talk about in a few minutes. But they just keep on going about their evil ways. They just continue to idolize the things that they've always idolized. And I just ask myself, are we any different in that sense? And we're doing the same thing. It's not a big deal. Everybody does it. But that doesn't make it right. And that's one of the things, one of the phrases that we used to use in high school. And some of us are well beyond that. And we continue to use that. Everybody else is doing it. At some point, you need to grow up spiritually and realize the Lord, you're not edifying the Lord in these things. And it's, it's very difficult because we are people of habit. And we continue to do things uh, to the point of tragedy. We've, we've got to have a tragedy, even consider letting go of those idols that we carry with us. And we know that the Lord is not, uh, not good with that. And what is the Lord doing here? Uh, God had the prophet do this because the people worship at idol altars in the high places. The high places, the mountains the ravines, the hills, the valleys, high places. So they had idols. And again, what is an idol? To you, what is an idol? And my life philosophy is anything that you think about 75% of the time can be an idol. Now, that's not, there's no science involved in that number. But it's just that th these are the thoughts that monopolize your mind. Is it the Lord or is it other things? Is it money? Is it stuff? Is it things? That's what we have to ask ourselves. And as I sit here, 
I, I, I want to believe that everyone in this room tonight or those in Pixel Land have idols. You've got idols in your life. And they may seem innocent, but he says, the word says, I am a jealous God. So regardless of how minimal or how trivial you may consider that, it is of very much importance to him. You value these things. You value your, your love of things, stuff. And I, I know we can all identify with that. What is yours? So these, these Israelites, the people of Israel were valuing these things and they had, they had these high places where they had idols. Verse 4, Then your altar shall be desolate, your incense altar shall be broken, and I will cast down your slain uh, men before your idols. That's pretty harsh. But it's all about love. It's hard for some of us to believe that a loving God would say these things or do these things. He blesses us because he loves us. He chastens us because he loves us. And we need to understand that he knows what's best for us, and he knows that these things that we idolize could potentially destroy us. And you may see it as not a big deal. He looks at it as a big deal. You're putting something before me that you should not. Verse 5, And I will lay the corpse of the children of Israel before their idols, and I will scatter your bones all around your altars doesn't sound very pleasant. <laughs> your altar shall be desolate. Your incense altars shall be broken and I will cast down your slain men before your idols. I will take you out right in front of your idols. I will show you the decadence of worshiping something or someone besides our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a serious thing, my friends. Verse 6, In all your dwelling places, the, the cities shall be laid waste, and the high places shall be desolate, so that your altars may be laid waste and made desolate. Your idols may be broken and made to cease. Your incense altars may be cut down, and your works may be abolished. And he is literally promising that he will take away anything and everything that does not edify or honor him. Uh, if we, you don't have to go here, but in prior verses, what the Lord has done, he has caused a prophet to show them in no uncertain terms what he's going to do, how he's going to do this. He had the, the prophet take a, 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 a tablet, draw the city, on that tablet and then smash it in front of the people. There's no mistaking what the Lord's intention is there. For those who didn't really notice that, he says, okay, I'm take a steel plate, a metal iron plate, and put it in front of that, that drawing, that picture on the tablet. And that would be an indication that that city has been cut off from me. Now, graphic enough for you? Okay, let's talk about something that affects each and every one of us. Let's talk about your food. 
Let's talk about your bread. I am going to cause you to not have any fuel to cook your bread. Now, in order to cook your bread, you've got to use human waste for fuel. What? A loving God would never do that. A loving God will do that. And when I talk about signs and wonder, these are things that he is showing them, yet they remain stiff-necked, hard-hearted, waxed over. Any, any, anything that you could say to describe their disobedience to Jesus. Now, in his defense, not that he has to be defended, he says, okay, my prophet has never eaten unclean food. I'm not able to supply, I will not, he's able, I will not supply him with fuel, but I will allow him to cook his bread over cow dung, which is acceptable. The prophet has never eaten anything that wasn't clean, so he allowed him to cook his food. But the people, the people in Jerusalem, the people, the Israelites, that's what they had to do. You've got to take your waste, a waste of a friend or neighbor or whomever, and that's how you're going to cook. Now, the food, the bread never contacted the human waste, but just the idea of that was your source of heat, that was your source of fuel. So that's what he allowed them to do. And he continued to show them sign after sign after sign, but yet nothing changed. And it still hasn't, even, even to this point. Uh, verse 7, the slain shall fall in your midst, and you shall know that I am the Lord. The phrase, I am the Lord, uh, recurs over 60 times in the word of God. It shows that the essential reason for judgment is a violation of the character of God. Well, how would I know the character of God? Read his word. Simple. Yet profound. Read his word. What is this God like? And, and for those, I mentioned this the last time I was able to stand before you, is how we've become to the point now where I, I won't use the word lazy. I'll just say complacent. And rather than read, we just turn on the TV. And the worst part is we tend to believe everything that pops up. It's so much easier to sit there in front of that screen, pretty much a thoughtless process, as opposed to digging into the word. Ladies, gentlemen, we have to. Not a word I use often because you don't have to do anything, but I'm going to stick with it tonight. You have to read the word of God. You need to know his heart. You need to know his character. You need to try and emulate that character as much as you can. There's, there's a little problem. We're wrapped in flesh, so there, we do have some physical limitations, but spiritually, you need to do it. We need to know the heart of God that we claim to serve. And if you don't understand that, then you're going to have questions that shouldn't be questions. Why would a loving God take away someone that I love? Have you read the book of, 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 have you read his word lately to really try and understand why? Do you believe that he's smarter than you? Some don't. 
There's some scientists who think that the universe rotates right here. And they don't want to believe what the Word of God says. And it gets to the point where they don't have any answers, so the only option for them is to get up and walk away or start to yell. But we need to believe that, and we need to understand what a sovereign God is all about. What he's all about, and the fact that he's never, ever, ever done with you. As long as you're here, as long as there's blood running through your body, there's work to be done. And some of you may be sitting here tonight and say, Brother, well, I don't really know what my mission is. Have you asked him? You know, well, not really. Well, the word says we don't receive because we don't ask. And sometimes when we do ask, we ask amiss. What is the question? God, what is my mission? What is my purpose for being here? You have a purpose for being here. On this planet, on this earth, you have a purpose. Well, I don't really feel like I'm contributing anything. Some of us, it's kind of difficult because we're looking to compare ourselves to someone else. Huge mistake. You gotta be you. Everybody else is already taken. So you gotta be yourself. Stop looking around to say, well, wow, this guy gets a lot of visual, visual uh, you know, a lot of visualization because he's he carries a badge. There's a downside to that, my friends. Spiritually, it's an upside, but uh, it can be a downside. There's a price to go with that, and, and I, I I know that. I, we have had opportunity to fellowship with people and they said that I thought that once I gave my life to Christ that it would be a bed of roses. On the contrary. No. You want roses without thorns. Think about it. Your Lord and Savior died. He had thorns without roses. Not pretty. But we want the better. We want the better things. And, and some of us feel we deserve it because we said, I'm saved, I'm born again. And in and of itself, that's great. How are you living? We can talk a good game like those complainers that we uh, talked about earlier. They can complain with the best of them. But if you ask them to pick up that hammer, well, I can't. I hurt my back uh, back in 1984. Stop. Verse 8, yet I will leave a remnant so that you may have some who escape, the, who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered through the countries. God always, always, always has a remnant. Always. There's never a time when there's not. In this room tonight, there's a remnant among us. Who's part of that? I don't know. I don't have those kind of eyes. But the Lord knows. He knows his holy remnant. He knows if you are honoring him in your life. He knows if you are walking the talk. He knows that. So I just pray for each and every one of us that we would have a real hold on what the Lord has for you now. And to serve. 
and you can be an encouragement to some, someone else. And they're, they're, uh, there's the other side, but you're being used as well. Say, but what good am I? And in some cases, we met some who, if nothing else, they can serve as a bad example. So it's just that this is not something that you, you would want to hang on yourself. But there are some who do that. You know, and the mom says, son, I don't want you hanging around with that guy. You know, he's bad news. But the Lord is using him to keep you in check, perhaps. But when you start to look at the way he's living and think that he or she is having fun, now you want to compare yourself to them. Huge mistake. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. And God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. And it's okay to keep searching, but you've got to be in communication with him. You've got to be in fellowship with him to know what he has for you. And your life will just blossom once you realize what he has for you. Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. But if you put the time in, you will start to enjoy what he has for you. You will start to enjoy and sometimes little things that he wants you to do. He just wants you to be present. He wants you to be that, that, that Barnabas. He wants you to be that encourager. And there's some negative things that go with that, but it's okay. It's okay. Verse 9, Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive because I was crushed by their adulterous heart which has departed from me and by their eyes which play the harlot after their idols. They will loathe themselves to the evils which they committed in all their abominations. This is bad stuff. And we look at them and we, we say, oh man, how could they do that? How could they, you know, uh, live the promises, the blessings of God, yet their heart is far from him? And we need to look at ourselves. Are our hearts far from him? Are we just playing church? Uh, I was asked last week uh, by a gentleman, uh, do I think everybody that comes to church is a Christian? And I know what answer I would have liked to have given him, but I, I says no. So why would they come to church? That's a very good question. I mean, I have speculations, but I, I can't say for sure. You know, I, I don't know people's hearts. It's a good thing. But my response was, there are people who live alone and this is the only social time that they get. They come to church to so, for social reasons. There are people who have gone to church all their lives. Some were raised in a religious system that says, you go to church, you're automatically a good person. A lie straight from the pit of hell. That does not make you a good person. There are some people hard for us, some of us to comprehend, it's a free meal. I can go there and get a little chow, hang out with my peeps, and life is good. But where's your heart towards God? Are you fellowshipping uh, 
in a, in a way that would edify him? Or are you just here to talk about other things, lots of other things? And again, I can't be critical just by the grace of God. I could be any of those. But th that was my response. And there were other reasons that I believe. And he asked the question, what about the people who don't carry a Bible? I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. Maybe the Bible's too heavy. Maybe they have other issues. I don't know. And it's just more convenient to just walk in and grab one and put it back. But these are the kind of questions that, you know, it was mano a mano. So there was no sidestepping his questions. And I really appreciate it in hindsight because he's very honest and, and he's a new believer and he's asking a lot of questions. And as I look around, I, I just, it, it, sometimes it just hurts my heart because I can see some things that are just way out of line from what the Lord would have. Verse 10, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would bring their calamity upon them. I'm going to bring all these things down on you. I'm going to bring pestilence. I'm going to bring murder. I'm going to bring just hardships. As long as you worship your idols, I can't be a part of you. You can't be a part of me. Choose this day who you will serve. The Lord God or the evil one. And that, that applies, that always will apply to us. And again, no one's immune. I am subject to anything that anyone else has ever done. And this is not comparing. It's just, that, just being totally honest. The word says the uh, heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? I say, Jeremiah, you're talking to me? You know, and he could be very easily. We have, uh, we have a lot of work to do. A lot of prayer. Especially when we know that our friends are hurting. Verse 11. Now let me back up. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would bring the calamity upon them. Most of the people were rejected, but grace and mercy were given to a godly group in the nation. Grace and mercy, that's always given to that, that uh, remnant. They ne there never has been, nor ever will be, a complete end to Israel. You must believe that, folks. For you news watchers, I know you're thinking now, that eventually they're just going to collapse, just be wiped out. According to the word of God, which I tend to believe, there will never be a complete end to Israel. The doctrine of the remnant can be studied. I'm going to list these verses. Uh, you don't have to go there. If you want to understand the doctrine of the remnant that says that, you can go to Isaiah 1.9. Isaiah 10:20, Jeremiah 43:5, Zephaniah 2:7, Zephaniah 3:13, 
Zechariah 10.9, Romans 9.6-13, and Romans 11.5. You want to understand why God made that statement. Go to those verses. And if anyone has an interest, I, I've got it here if, you, if you'd like. But in the interest of time, we're going to keep on moving. 11, thus says the Lord God, pound your fists and stamp your feet and say, alas, for all the evil abomination of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by famine and pestilence. No one left standing. All. They will all fall by one of these three methods. Fall by the sword, fall by famine, or fall by pestilence. Verse 12. He who is far off shall die for the pestilence. He who is near shall fall by the sword. And he who remains shall be besieged shall die by famine. This will I spend my fury upon them. He's using some pretty tough words here, folks. He's not holding back. As, as we would say, he's not pulling any punches. He's letting them know in no uncertain terms. And for those of us who study his word, we have to ask ourselves, how far are we from what these people are doing? And don't feel defeated. Don't feel doomed. It's just a matter of fact. We have turned away. And I'm, I'm making a general statement, but I'm going to stick with it tonight. We have turned away. And some of you can stand up and say, well, not me, brother. But as a nation, we've turned away. And it does not please God. And we should not be pleased. So what do I do? I can't answer that. When you're fellowshipping, when you're communicating with the Lord, ask him that. What am I to do? How can I stem this, this tide of evil? And don't say that evil is overtaking. I won't agree with that. I won't agree because if you make that statement, then you're saying the Lord is not able. The Lord is in it regardless of how big or how evil it seems. And we've seen things today. I mean, uh, I just, someone just shared with me today, a uh, little off topic, but just an example of a shooting at a parade. And I asked myself, I'm going to this parade to celebrate, but I think I'll take my gun just in case anything goes down. Where did those thoughts originate? I'm going out to have a good time to celebrate, but I'm going to be packing just in case. Just in case what? And it, there's so many examples of that that I see the schools and malls and I, somebody just sits there and say, I think I'm just going to go out and just shoot a bunch of folks just for kicks. That's just pure evil. And it's a rhetorical question. Where does that originate? We all know the answer to that. But still, I, you know, this is where we're headed. And it just seems to permeate everything that we do, everywhere we go. 
I was with a gentleman uh, Saturday morning, and uh, he was complaining about the city folks. And for whatever reason, he made sure that I know he wasn't referring to me. <laughs> had to make that very clear. Uh, city folks, but not you. Okay. And his, he said that you just can't go anywhere and be safe anymore. So I, one question came to mind, tell me a safe place. Well, in my closet at home. It's like, uh, I'm thinking, no. Things can happen in your closet at home. And you know in the city, uh, they shoot through walls. That's, that's the only place it happens, though. And it was very, I found it very interesting because he just kept apologizing. So why are you apologizing to me? Well, I, it's not a, you know, uh, I don't want you thinking. Uh, well, I'm already thinking. <laughs> so I use it as an example of, of how we think that we can isolate ourselves from what's going on. But we've seen examples of that it didn't work out well for the people who were isolating themselves. You know, and uh, COVID taught us a lesson about that one. You know, I'm just going to stay home. I'll be safe here. Eh, didn't work out. Verse 13. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when their slain are among their idols all around their altars on every high hill, on every mountaintop, under every green tree, and under every thick oak, wherever they offered sweet incense to all their idols. We offer sweet incense to our idols today, tonight. Doesn't, it, doesn't honor the Lord. So from his perspective, we are no, no better off than these people, than the people of Jerusalem. We're doing the same things and expecting different results. Well, he's going to bless us. Is he? Verse 14, so I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land desolate. Yes, more desolate than the wilderness toward the blah in all their dwelling places, then they shall know that I am the Lord. And this, this, this city makes reference to a city on the eastern edge of Moab near the desert, east and south of the Dead Sea. And Numbers 33, 46 makes reference to the moving from one place to the other. Jeremiah 48, 22 makes that reference also. And so why are they moving? Why are they moving towards the desert? Why are they moving to a place? Because they think if we can move to this place and we can isolate ourselves from the general public, then no one's going to care how we're living. No one's going to care how many idols we're worshiping. No one's going to care how many of us are, are just building our lives around these idols. How many of us are, have become ungodly in our attitude toward Jesus? How many of us are taking the so-called path of least resistance? Well, I understand, uh, yeah, it's okay to be a Christian, but the cost is high. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do these things if I say I'm born again. If I say that I'm saved, I'm not going to be able to 
to go out and, and do things that some of us who've gotten past that think were fun. You know, I, I can't get drunk with my buddies anymore. And I'm going to miss out on all that fun. But once we get past that, we realize it wasn't fun at all. It was a waste of everything. A waste of your health. A waste of your finances. A waste of your time. Now we're caught up in a system where the world can make everything look attractive. More attractive than anything that, if, if your mind is on the wrong side, anything that our Lord God has to offer, it can make it look shinier, faster, more brilliant. The world can do that if you are not prayed up. The world can do that if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The world can do that. And, and I know, you know, for most of us, we understand what that means. We've been there, done that. Hindsight makes us so much more brilliant. If I knew then what I know now, by the way, you're going to be saying that all your life. All your life. If I knew then what I know now, because some things that we are doing now, we're going to realize in 5, 10, 15, 20 years that, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? I thought I was mature enough to know that I was on the wrong path. But what he has for you, he has for you. And sometimes there will be uh, delay, sometimes by our own choice. We do have the advantage of free will. And he will delay things because you're not ready. You're not ready. Uh, as we dig further into this, uh, I want to go further tonight, but... Um, I'm really glad I didn't because there was too much I would have to leave out. But as we go further, uh, the judgment of Israel is near in chapter 7. We will continue to hear and see some of the reasons why and how the Lord is judging. Is he judging us? You answer that question for yourself. Are we being judged now for where we come how low we've gone. Are we being judged? Read his word and tell me what do you think it says. Ask him if we're being judged and see what he says. He'll talk to you. He'll speak with you. Some of us don't believe in that. That's okay. But he will converse with you. He will speak to you. He will let you know what he has for you. The question is, are you ready to accept that? And we need to understand that he's going to be honest with you. And I found over the years that a true measure of a person is how much truth you're willing to accept about yourself. Some people don't do well. I know I got flaws, but you don't have to remind me. Uh, don't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? I don't know. Sometimes I say things that I shouldn't. And sometimes the Lord puts something on my heart and I feel compelled to say it. Can you handle the truth about yourself? Can you honestly sit here tonight and say that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Can you say that with all honesty? Again, not judging, 
You're not doomed. We need that. There's no shortcuts to that. You got, we need to make a decision. Are you in or out? Old wise man, you've heard me use this before. He says, get right or get left. It's still true today. There's a lot of people among us. A lot. Finding out more and more every day who don't have a personal relationship. How's your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm good. What does that mean? That's not what the word of God says. It says there's none good, no, not one. So I tend to lean more toward what the word of God says and people just saying they're good. But I do understand that there are religious systems that says that's all you need. All you need to do is be a good person and you're all set, your ticket's punched. Not true, my friends. A lot more than that. Is there a cost involved? Absolutely. Absolutely, but it's worth it. And when I say compromises, you will make compromises. I mean that from a positive standpoint. That there's some things that we need to do. There's some things that, some changes that need to be made. Are you willing to make them and live with it? You're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to give up some people. You heard me say this the last time. Bad company corrupts. Are you hanging out with bad company? You need to judge that for yourself. You need to talk to the Lord. And you know what, you, you can recognize bad company because there's certain things that they do that we try and avoid. And you will find yourself, regardless of how strong a Christian you think you are, you can and will be influenced by bad company. But not me, brother, I'm solid. Yeah, you're solid. Yeah. All of a sudden, you got words that you normally wouldn't use that will slip out. Can't slip out if it doesn't slip in. Oh, wow, where did that come from? Pardon my French. That's a result of bad company or just a bad heart in general. You will find that you'll get to the point where everything's about you. You're not willing to do anything to help or encourage another person. Is that your heart? Pay attention. Look around you and ask yourself, oh my goodness, am I a good witness? Am I the person that should be telling people I'm a Christian? And then turn around and do something that's far from it. Choose to stay who you will serve. The Lord has a plan. He has a plan for every single person that hears this. If you don't know what it is, ask. Read his word. Read his word. But brother, 
I'm pretty busy, you know, I, mean, I don't really have time for that. You've heard me say this before. How many hours in the day? 24. Everybody gets it. Everybody gets 24. What it comes really down to really is, what is your priority? And he doesn't hold a stopwatch and say, okay, that's 20 minutes. You're okay. Hit the road. He doesn't do that. Read the word. It doesn't, it's not something that takes a lot of time. And time shouldn't be a factor. It's a priority. Reading the word is priority. You know, what, that other thing that we do, those other things that we do can wait. Nothing can encourage you more than digging into the word of God. Nothing now, I learned this late. You know, I learned it early and then I stopped learning it and then I learned it again. And he's just grown me since then. And I'm not saying that, you know, all is well in Richard's heart. Far from it. But enough to know that it's not about me. Nothing's about Richard. Nothing. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. And as I'm saying these things, you know, I just think of the years of turning away. And it's not something that I'm, I, I share with you guys once and that was plenty. But there's scars. I mean, I don't have nail pierced hands and feet or anything like that, but I mean, there, there's definitely some scars as a result of a walking away. But I know that he kept his hand on me, even through those times. And I know his hand is on me now. And I know that he has called me personally for a time such as this. Share with your sisters and brothers. and uh, Encourage them as best you can by what I give you to share with them. And always keep in mind, when you're pointing out there, it's for you also, even more so. And I'm thankful for what he's done, and that's why I, I feel it's an honor, a pleasure to share with you guys. Lord, if I've said even one word that discouraged my sister or brother, I just pray now that uh, you would erase it from my minds. And I'm so grateful that you've given us this opportunity to fellowship together, Father. And I pray that your word was rightly divided and that there was encouragement from the sisters and brothers here tonight, Father, knowing that you're in their lives no matter what. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what's coming up, you're in there, Father. You're in there with us. So I just thank you for a, a God who just is relentless. He doesn't go away. And just to remind my sisters and my brothers to know that even today, stones are th still being rolled away. So come out of that grave that you're in. Allow the Lord to change your heart. Allow the Lord to change your life. Allow the Lord to encourage you through his word. Allow the Lord to make his word sweet to you so you look forward to it every single day. So we just thank you, Father, for uh, what an amazing, you are amazing. You're an amazing God. Words just can't describe you, Father. I just pray that we could just convey that to every 
ear that, that heard every heart that, that was penetrated tonight, Father, that we would really start to understand how much you love us, Father. Start to understand that we need to pray. We need to seek your face. Turn from our wicked ways. You've given us these three, uh, four conditions with three promises, Father. And we believe that with all of our hearts. So we thank you for who you are. And as always, we thank you for whose we are. May you receive the blessings of all that we do and say throughout this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Be safe. And uh, he has a plan for you. And he will let you know in no uncertain terms what that plan is. All you need to do is ask. God bless you.